It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Well, good morning. Great to have you here this morning. And uh, those of you joining us, our extended Elevate family around the world via podcast, great to have you join us as well. Uh, We actually launched last week a series called All In. And uh, really, this is, uh, this is the essence, this word, this phrase is the essence of Elevate. In fact, about six years ago, when we were running up to launching or relaunching as Elevate Church, uh, we partnered with a couple of uh, buddies of mine who run a brand marketing uh, company. And um, during the process working with them, they asked the question, what, if you could just sum, sum up in one word or one short phrase, what, what's the essence of Elevate? What do you want people to say when they think of Elevate or as Elevate Church? What do you want it to, to be? And, and, and literally, uh, we, we instantaneously said, all in. And really, that shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody when you become a follower of Jesus, because when you become a follower of Jesus, hopefully there's some understanding of what Jesus has actually done for us, that he abandoned heaven, downgraded to earth. You know, I mean, it's bad enough if you think getting downgraded from first class to economy, but this is heaven down to earth as a human went through the the, the physical pain and torture of being nailed to a cross. Literally, he went all in for you and for me and for people that aren't yet followers of him. And so it just, it's like a no-brainer that the only appropriate response is for us in turn to go all in for him, to think, man. So this series, All In, it's a... tagline is be the church. Now, it was meant to be how to be the church, but I don't know. We didn't think that the graphics looked as good, so we just went with be the church. It was just a little bit too crowded, but it actually is meant to be how to be the church, a how-to series. And, and we're looking at four weeks at four big rocks, which I probably even consider the four biggest rocks of what it means for you and I as followers of Jesus to be the church. And last week, Uh, We launched the first one we called Gather Live. This idea that we need to follow Jesus for ourselves. So, you know, you don't say, well, my parents are Christians. Well, my grandparents are Christians. Well, I go to church. It's like, no, Jesus asks us the question, will you come follow me? Do you believe, you know, who do you say I am? And will you come follow me? And as we say yes to that, great. In that moment, we, we're making a decision to follow him for ourselves, but I don't believe you can effectively follow him by yourself. And he launched this thing called the church and calls the church to gather consistently, gather regularly. Uh, a bit like a, 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 you know, Christianity as a team sport, that we gather together. We're not meant to do it on our own. We gather together. And I kind of think one of the metaphors of gathering live uh, each week is kind of like a locker room that we gather together and we get inspired and we get some instruction and we get reminded of the mission. And then we go out there for the other 167 hours of the week. And that's where the game's played. That's where the reach people part of the game's played. And this importance of gathering together can't be overstated. So I encourage you, if you, if you weren't here last week, it was a lot of fun as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, to listen to the podcast. This week, the second uh, big rock, we're calling Invest 
and invite. Now, if you're old school church person, you would be familiar with the word evangelism, okay? Now, we don't use that word here and for two reasons. Number one, uh, when you use words like that, you need to make sure you have a translator nearby who's fluent in Christianese, and sometimes that's just not convenient. Uh, secondly, the, historically, the word evangelism has kind of been packaged together with, with an expectation that it's all up to you, that it's all your job, that you and me individually have to do all the heavy lifting and that people's conversion to following Jesus is, is, is our soul, our responsibility. And yet again, as I said, know that, 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 that following Jesus is a team sport. And so our approach is invest and invite. When it comes to reaching people, invest and invite. Now, fair enough, the investing part is almost essentially primarily, exclusively, solely on you. The people in your sphere, family, friends, neighbors, colleagues, fellow students, the investing part is on you. We can't do that because it's your sphere. Okay, makes sense. And so in that, you know, you have the opportunity and I would dare say the responsibility to, to build a platform, build a platform of trust, which by the way is easier than it sounds. Build a platform of trust goes something like this. Consistently act with integrity. In other words, do what you say you're gonna do and do it well. Serve other people. Be generous with your time, your talents and your treasure as God leads you. And they will start looking to you as somebody that's got something about you that they can trust, that, you can, that, 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 that they're looking at you as being trustworthy. And it's on that platform that they're gonna be more open to your investment, that you have something to offer in their life, speaking words of life into them. So the investment is, is on us individually. And as we're investing, be praying for opportunities. You know, Jared just saying, like when we're singing about God's Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit is nudging us all the time. And so these people in our spheres that we're investing in, that if we're praying for them and praying for a sensitivity to listening, that there will be appropriate opportunities where you can just not straight away, no Bible bashing, the Christian clobber, no ramming Jesus down people's throat, but, but in the context of investing in people, you can be sharing opportunities at appropriate moments about what God's done in your life, about the difference Jesus has made for you. And it's, you know, sometimes it's an obvious opportunity when crisis mode hits and they think, boy, I can't handle this on my own. And you say, ha But sometimes it's not. You know, people that aren't in a crisis need Jesus as well because he still wants to transform them. But the invite part, that's really the team effort. It's incumbent on us with the people we're investing in to invite. And as a church, we intentionally design our live experience to be outsider friendly, okay? Not outsider hostile. And there's a lot of, I mean, we're not perfect at it, but there's a lot of things that we do. And really the big idea is we can't convince your friends that you've invited, we can't convince them that Jesus is who he says he is. That's gotta be a revelation that God by his Holy Spirit actually brings about in somebody's life. And so the people that you invite, they may not 
walk out of here believing what you and I believe, but hopefully we've made things somewhat accessible so even if they don't believe, they at least have a reasonable level of understanding. It's like, I don't really believe that, but I kind of get the point. And that matters. Some people think, oh, there was, there was centuries where God was kind of cloaked behind all of this mystery and, and that was deemed spiritual. Well, if, that's, if, if, if God being cloaked behind mystery and being distant and, and inaccessible, if that's what God's best is, then why in the world would he have sent his son Jesus in human form to be accessible? And so we have that responsibility. Yeah, we still do church. I mean, it's 60 minutes of church. And come here and play bingo for, for 60 minutes. That would just, hey, hey, unchurched friend, come, and, come to my church on a Sunday morning, 10 to 11. Oh, what are you gonna do? Oh, we're gonna play bingo. Bingo? Yeah, bingo. What? Like, no, no, we're gonna do church. But, but, but hopefully, hopefully, as a team, we're gonna do it in a way that your friends say, well, I, you know, the words, I, I don't believe them, but at least I appreciate you making the effort of putting them up on the screen. You know? Uh, I, I'm so grateful that you don't serve Nescafe Blend 43 because the word Nescafe in Portuguese translates not coffee, which I also think it translates that in English as well. And so, you know, but even just like the preacher, just a way that doesn't water anything down, but makes the, that's the team effort. That hopefully the people you're and I are investing in that when we invite them, you don't, you don't have to be like, what are they going to do this week? Oh my gosh, my friendship's on the line here. It's going to be like, hey, we're going to do church, but it's not going to be your grandma's church. And just hopefully you'll at least kind of feel included, even if you don't believe everything. But let me just a little show of hands, quick pop quiz. How many of you who are followers of Jesus today, how many of you were influenced in, towards that decision by somebody else? A family member, a friend, a, a colleague? Yeah, great, exactly. It's like half the other of you. Well, I don't know what sort of witchcraft you got to Jesus via, but God bless you, you know, whatever works. <laughs> but the reality is a lot of us, it was the influence of somebody, somebody that had prayed for you. Maybe you didn't even know they were praying for you. Somebody that invested in you, somebody that maybe invited you, somebody that maybe went radically out of their way and said, I'll even pick you up and bring you. Oh, what a friend. I want to take you to a story that happened in Jesus' time about friends like that. And so if you've got our Elevate Church app, you can tap the Bible tile. It's going to take you to my favorite book in the Bible, the book of Mark, which, by the way, it's an action-packed book. I mean, not only a great name for a book, but it's action-packed. It's like the Fast and the Furious version of the Gospels, okay? Hobbs and the other guy. <laughs> I've never watched any of those movies. By the way, uh, we're uh, in the final stages of launching Elevate Church app version 2.0. So uh, the countdown is now in weeks, not months. So stay tuned. Uh, a few nifty little features, uh, a little bit of a refresh and um, some helpful tools there. So stand by. All right, here we go. Mark, what a name, what a guy. After a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum and word got around that he was back home. Okay, so people gossiped even back then. A crowd gathered jamming the entrance so nobody could get in or out. And he was teaching the word. 
They brought a paraplegic to them, they being four men. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. Now, how many of you are familiar with this story? You've, you've heard it before, you've read it before. Okay, maybe, you know, someone's preached on it before. I've preached on this story a bunch of times. Now, for the record, there's three main characters in this story. There's Jesus, there's a paralyzed dude, and there's four guys, four buddies. And I've preached about Jesus, you know, bring people to Jesus, whether they're paralyzed or needing some form of restoration. Jesus is in the restoration business. Chip and Joanna and Jesus, all of them in the same restoration business. And so our job is to bring people to Jesus and Jesus trains. I preach that. Yeah. And he'll forgive his sins and all that great stuff. And I preached about the paralyzed. You know, if you've got something in your life that's less than God's best, it could be relational, it could be financial, it could be physical, it could, whatever it is, whatever it is. If in any way you're paralyzed, you're living something less than God's best, come to Jesus, bring it. I preach that. I've never, until today, preached about the four dudes. So that's what I want to do today. I'm going to zoom in on these four guys who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Because here's the thing. Without them, this would never have happened. Because the paralyzed guy, I don't know if you understand how parallelism works, he couldn't get there on his own. <laughs> and here's what could have happened. Word got around that Jesus was back home. And the four guys could have said to each other, hey, let's four of us able-bodied people go and see Jesus. Worse still, they could have said, Jesus is coming back home and I'm staying home. Because for me, it's all Netflix all day. Which, by the way, I mentioned that last week. If you think that something dropping on Netflix is in any way in competition with you gathering live as a church, I'm not entirely sure you understand how on-demand streaming technology <laughs> is actually meant to work, but just... But they invited their friend. But here's the thing. Even when they invited their friend, there was no guarantee he was going to say yes. They had invested in him. Now they had to invite him. But even then, this story was risky. And for you and I, as we're investing in family members who maybe have shown little or no interest in Jesus to now, investing in neighbors who maybe to now have shown little or no interest in Jesus, friends, colleagues, fellow students, it's risky. You know, you turn up to work on Monday and somebody passes by the photocopy machine and says to you, ah, oh, well, how's your weekend? What'd you get to? You say, oh, you know, watched a movie, had a barbecue. Who is at church? Uh, what? Uh, did you say you went to church? Because, you know, maybe you think, oh, they're going to put me in a box or they're going to make me the, the weird Christian person and put me in a cubicle far, far away from normal people. <laughs> or, 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 or even in the actual act of inviting, you know, investing. But at some point, we get, I, think, I think I meant to invite this person that I've been investing in. And, 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 and up until that point, you, you face the risk of them saying no, which can feel like rejection when it happens. And you're like, oh, man, 
I'm wasting all this time and effort and energy investing in them. And when I invited them, they said, no, it's, it can be, it's a risk. It is a risk. But thankfully, the paraplegic guy had some incredible friends. And his friends were willing to take the risk. His friends were willing to actually push through barriers, which in this case was an overcrowded venue, to ensure because they knew, they had the faith. In fact, ultimately when Jesus saw them, because it's like, whoa, uh, he actually said he marveled. It was said of him, Jesus marveled at their faith. Not marveled at their ladder climbing ability, marveled at their use of pulleys and ro- he, 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 the thing he saw, which by the way, all of that would have been pretty impressive. I, I, I have a, a hedge, a privacy hedge at the front of our house, and I have a ladder, and some days I struggle to get up and down that thing. Now we have four guys, four guys working together, together, right? With, that in itself is one of the greatest miracles in the Bible, okay? Not arguing, just, okay, let's all do the same thing. Yep, great, sure. And how is it that four people found a ladder, got to a ladder, climbed the ladder, and got, all of that was so, impro- one of the greatest miracles in this story. And yet that's not what Jesus was impressed with. I am, but Jesus wasn't. He said, he looked at their faith because, because, because they, he knew that they knew that if they could just get their friend in front of Jesus, their job wasn't to convert, to heal. No, no. Their job was to invest and invite and trust that Jesus, when he meets their friend, will do what he does best. He will transform him. About a year ago, uh, one of our Elevate kids, she was six at the time, Becky, six. She had a Saturday play date with one of her school friends, Sienna. And Becky's at Elevate kids, kid, church kid. Uh, they, they go to the same school. And Becky says to her friend Sienna while they're having their Saturday play date, hey, you want to come to church with me tomorrow? And six-year-old Sienna says, yeah. And so when mama goes to pick six-year-old Sienna up, Sienna tells mama, mama, tomorrow morning, we're going to church. <laughs> she couldn't get there on her own. Sound familiar? So mama has to play mama's taxi on a Sunday morning. Wasn't in the diary on Saturday, but now it is. And mama starts dropping Sienna off into Elevate Kids. And mama was like, well, you know, it's an hour. There's no point going home and coming back again. I might as well camp out in row four. And she did. And after about four weeks, mama made a decision to follow Jesus. Because Becky invited Sienna, because, you know, kids, they kind of like, Take more risks than some of us do, right? Like, well, what's the worst thing? She could say no. What's the worst? I'll probably survive. <laughs> Becky invited Sienna. Sienna invited mom. <laughs> and, 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 and mom just, ex- just got exposed to Jesus over a four-week period. And then two months later, Becky's mom baptized Sienna's mom in that tank over there. Because Becky invited Sienna, who invited her mom, and they kept investing into them. And Jesus did what Jesus does best. Their job wasn't to convert Sienna or her mom. Their job was to invest and invite. And they did it. Now, I'm sharing that story. I wish I was sharing my stories. 
I wish I'm here, well, this one time, and then there was this other time, and oh my God, I mean, to be, to be honest, I've lost count of the number of people that I've invested in and invite. Churches around the world are almost overpopulated, a bit like this house, with people that I personally invested in and invited who are now, far, I wish I could tell you that was the story, but, I got, but I'll tell you the truth instead. <laughs> the truth is, there is more people that I've invested in who have shown little or no interest in my ultimate invitations than those who have said yes. But that's not a reason to stop. A little over a decade ago, uh, Louie and I uh, started to form a friendship with a, with a girl at the time, and uh, she wasn't a church person and no exposure to church and so on and so forth. And um, I mean, we kind of have an in, but it doesn't always work. Like, oh, what do you do for a living? I lead a church. That can actually go one of two ways. It's not like, oh, that's a great opportunity for conversation. No, sometimes it's literally, uh, I think I have to leave the party now. And they, they just, they don't. They just go to the other side of the room, but they, just to get away from the weird Christians. Um, but in this case, she discovered I lead a church. Louis was working in a church at the time. And over the, the course of several weeks and months of us just investing in her, not Jesus, not Bible, just investing in her speaking life and encouraging and giving time. And, and, and she, she asked us, started asking questions about Jesus. We, and, well, and we're praying for her. I mean, that, you, you gotta saturate these relationships with prayer. I think it's just you. And so we bought her a Bible. These, those days, Bibles were made of paper. We bought her a Bible and signed it and gave her. And, and then we just started just when we were hanging out. Was, do you want to maybe we'll read a bit and maybe talk about? Oh, yeah, yeah. And this appetite grew and grew and grew in her. And all we did was just kept investing and kept praying. Today, she leads a church with her now husband. She made a decision to follow Jesus and kept going. So yeah, I got some wins on the board. Um, not as many as I would like, but I see, I'm in the same boat as you, that God's called me to invest and invite. It's a little harder because most of the people that I lead here claim to already be followers of Jesus. That's what they tell me. Uh, you are out there in the wild, most of you, with unchurched people. And you have opportunities in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in your families, in your community, in your, in your place of study, that you can invest. I have to do it where the opportunity, all of us, investing and inviting. And as I said... Jesus was impressed by their bold belief, and he said to the paraplegic, Son, I forgive your sins, which I preached about this a couple of months ago, and I inserted the paraplegic, probably said to Jesus, uh, I'm not actually here for that. Uh, like, it's more the leg thing. Um, <laughs> but, but, but Jesus actually knows what you need even more than you know what you need, and so often it's better to come to him with a blank check than a wish list. Jesus, do your thing, and he's like, okay, I'm going to start here. Forgive your sins, all right? But good news, he looked now at the paraplegic and said, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. The man did it and got up, grabbed his stretcher, and they walked out, and everyone was watching him, and they rubbed their eyes, incredulous, and then praised God saying, whoa, we've never seen anything like this. 
I'll share something I shared last month. And look, if I could engrave it on the back of your eyelids, back to front, I would. Uh, Jesus asks us two questions. Who do you say I am? And will you come follow me? And they're actually different questions and they actually require a different response of us. This question, who do you say I am? Jesus says the correct answer is that you are Jesus, the Son of God. And he says that in that moment, that, that, that belief, that confession of faith, in that moment, we are set free. Set free from our brokenness, set free from our past, set free from our sins, set free, set free from everything that is less than God's best in that moment. However, that decision in that moment is of no earthly good unless it is then married to a yes to will you come follow me? Because it's in this decision that we're set free and it's in following Jesus that we learn how to live free. Because you, you know this, those of you that have said yes to following Jesus, everything didn't get fixed overnight. You didn't magically wake up the next day and you've got all the money in your bank account that you've ever prayed for. Your marriage is, is the best it's ever been. Your kids, your kids fall at your feet in worship. Your, every, all of your health issues are resolved. You, you deleted the doctor out of your contact list. You, you know that didn't happen. And the reason that didn't happen is because at that moment you were set free. You were given the, the, the entrance into the kingdom. And it's then in following Jesus that he leads us and teaches us day by day day how to live free. Brilliant, huh? I mean, not brilliant, me. That's the, that's the big idea. It's brilliant. If we get that, it's brilliant. But here's the thing. That offer of being set free and learning how to live free isn't just an offer for you and for me. It's on the table for everybody in our sphere. Because Jesus didn't just come and die for church people. He came and he gave his life as a sacrifice for all people. And our part is to invest and invite. In the uh, Cape Cod area of Massachusetts, there's an island called Nantucket Island. And on that island is the Nantucket, <laughs> this will all make sense in a minute, is the, is, is the Nantucket Shipwreck and Maritime Museum. So you can go there, you can visit the Nantucket Shipwreck and Maritime Museum. And the, and the reason that that, that that museum exists, and the reason it's got the word shipwreck ahead of maritime, is because in the 19th century, in that part of, of uh, the coastal area of Massachusetts, hundreds of, of ships would pass by every single day. And, and yet the navigational equipment that they had access to back then was inadequate for navigating those particular waters. The waters were known to be treacherous. Storms were known to, to pop up without any warning. Um, currents were, were strong and, and unpredictable. And in, and in fact, in that, in that time, there was over 700 shipwrecks just off the coast of visible of Nantucket Island. And so because this was such a problem and because there was, this, there was such an urgency and because there was th th that that a group was formed uh, for the purpose of saving lives, a life-saving group, not like the ones at Cottesloe Beach. This is a, but, but they were formed, 
and they, and they erected huts along the coastline and they, and they put together a rotating shift. So all of the huts were manned 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the job of the people that were scheduled to serve inside those huts was simply to look out to the horizon. And if and when they would see a flare go up, they, that was their responsibility to go out and rescue as many people as possible. And they had a motto. You have to go out. You don't have to come back. Because those lifesavers understood that the people's lives out there were so valuable that it was worth putting everything on the line to go all in to go and rescue them. Oh, oh and by the way, did, did I mention this life-saving group were all volunteers? You have to go out. You don't have to come back. Now, eventually, the U.S. Coast Guard was formed and the U.S. Coast Guard took over that surface in that region. And you would think if you learn that, if you would think that the, that the life-saving society of Nantucket would no longer exist, but it does still exist. And they still have a budget and they still gather together regularly as the life-saving society and they have dinners together and they have great fellowship together. But the one thing that they no longer do is save people. This could be us if we allowed it. This could be any church, but I'm speaking to us if we allowed it. That Jesus didn't just launch the church and save 100 people for the purpose of us having a budget meeting together regularly, having great fellowship, the occasional potluck. <laughs> Sounds terrifying. That if we're not careful, we'll, we'll abandon the mission for the sake of what's already happened. And yet, we're called to invest and invite as long as there's air in our lungs, as long as there's life in our breath. So what I want to do is finish now with, with praying with you for the people that you're either already investing in or that actually in this 30 minutes, you've, someone's lit the fuse and you've realized, oh, aha. Uh because -huh. sometimes God fans the flame and sometimes He lights the flame. So you may already have people that you've been praying for and investing in. I want to pray with you for them. You, you'll have them in mind. Or if you haven't yet, or you, you realize, yeah, I, I need to actually get into that. And, and maybe, maybe somebody's name's come to you in this 30 minutes. Maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a colleague. And, and, and remember, the, the, the checklist isn't that they've already demonstrated some interest in Jesus. They, they don't have to have ever dem yet demonstrated any interest in Jesus for us to start praying for them. And investing in him. So I want to pray now with you for them. You ready? You got someone? Like, I don't know anybody. B.S. We all do. And if you don't, which you do, but if you don't, make that your prayer. Jesus, show me. Show me. 
God, I thank you that, boy, I thank you that for those of us who are already followers of Jesus, that, yeah, sure, you have set us free. And we couldn't have done it on our own. And you went all in for us. Now, as we continue to follow you, that you would that we would be open to you increasing the intensity and the urgency of investing and inviting into those in our sphere. God, we've got specific names already, family members, friends, neighbors, colleagues. I pray that you would use us to be one like those four buddies that will take risks praying, investing, and ultimately inviting. And that some of them, the more the merrier, some of them would ultimately say yes to an invite to meet Jesus and again, even then, ultimately make a decision to put their faith in you as well. Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app. 